Should you ever set foot outside of the motel, you will be shot. Don't miss the new Showtime limited series based on the international bestseller. For the last four years, I've been a prisoner. Why are they keeping you here? Starring Emmy Award winner Ewan McGregor. This is the brave new world that you dreamt of. Be very careful. You are still a prisoner here. Everything in this new world comes at cost. This is still my country. A Gentleman in Moscow, now streaming on Paramount Plus, only with the Paramount Plus with Showtime plan. Welcome into the Lions 24-7 post-game podcast. Penn State coming off of a 24-0 victory over Indiana. Whether you call it revenge or not, it's 5-0 for these Nittany Lions. And Sean and I are coming to you sometime between the end of the game and the start of your Sunday uh, in the wee hours of the morning or late at night, however you want to qualify it. But we've got a few things to catch up on. There was a commitment. Feels like a long time ago, but that was also on Saturday. And uh, Sean... 24 to nothing that that stands for itself a lot of things to work on but offensively you can still make improvements there but I think the fact that we're coming out of this game that was so so little in terms of dramatics after you know the the week of building up about how close it was last year and and how much uh how, how Indiana soured things last year this was just like you could have fooled me and said Indiana was a four win big 10 team and I would have believed you today you know, we had, we had Zach Osterman on this week from the Indy Star, and he kind of laid out his prediction. He thought Penn State would just be in control and, you know, really never would be in doubt. Maybe Indiana tax on a late score or something of, of that nature. Um, that's kind of how it was. It just Penn State was in control throughout, even 14 nothing for it was 14 nothing for a long stretch. Um, it just seemed like Penn State was just. They, they were going to do what they wanted to do. And, and, you know, things got, got close with the fourth down stop inside the five yard line. And, you know, there was a couple turnovers um, that, that or one turnover that you'd like to have back, but it just felt like Penn state was in control the entire time. And that's really how it, it you know, no, no matter how close the, uh, the scoreboard may have, have seemed, it never felt like Indiana was in danger of breaking through and, you know, making this a, a close ball game or, you know, finding themselves in a situation where an onside kick could, could make it a one possession game, something like that. So just you and I were talking after the game. It's just, I don't want to say stress-free because that's not fair to the guys that worked hard to, uh, to, to put this win together, but really you didn't feel all that threatened. And, and after, how this game, the direction that this game went last year, you feel pretty good about from coming out of, uh, coming out of that one with a twenty four nothing win. I agree with you. Um, plenty to work on. Um, both sides of the balls have, have you know certain spots where they could go, but this defense, man, put them put Penn State in a position where it, it could do what it want, it wanted to, and really made it uh, made it easy on everybody. Yeah, first shutout for Penn State since that 2019 trip down to Maryland to open Big Ten play back in 2019. Also the first 5-0 start for Penn State since 2019. It's the third time Penn State has been 5-0 under James Franklin. Also reached that mark uh, during the 2017 season. Um, and, Sean, we're going to have a lot of time here to, to, to talk about you know, what went right, what went wrong for, for the offense. But you're, you're right. you got to kind of start here with the defense. When there's a zero on the scoreboard for your opposing uh, – for your opponent. And, and Michael Penix, we talked about it. Uh, where was he in his recovery from that late injury last year? Could he be that kind of Superman that Indiana was going to require? And it didn't come close to, to for that to being the case today. Finished 10 of 22, 118 yards, one interception. Um, and then he he exited in the third quarter after taking a shot. Uh, we did not see him. It was uh, Jack Tuttle 
the rest of the way at quarterback uh, for Indiana. Ultimately, though, Sean, I think if you had Indiana land one punch, it felt like, in this game. I thought they'd land a few. We both had Penn State winning by 17 points in our prediction. But I thought along the way, Penn State had to bob and weave, pick itself up a little bit, exchange some punches. But the only one that, that Indiana landed was that early interception off Sean Clifford, which is arguably his worst throw of the season to this point. Um, they get the ball down to the 13-yard line against Penn State. It's, at that point, it's 7 nothing. Um, so a chance to even the score, cut it down to four with a field goal. They come away with absolutely nothing. And I mentioned this to you. At, at that point, that made uh, opponents 5 of 14 in getting touchdowns on trips to the red zone against Penn State. And that was actually the sixth time this season already, Sean, that an opponent was turned away in the red zone without getting any points. And those are just huge, huge pats on the back for Penn State when you start stacking those things up. They dig in when when they need to, and they do a really good job of it. Uh, backs against the wall type things. Uh, you know, this defense is, is fast and aggressive, and and it, they're fun to watch. To be honest with you, um, just uh, you, you keep expecting for some cracks and things like that. And you know, and, and you look at the schedule: Wisconsin and Auburn and, and Indiana. Nobody's looking at those offenses and saying they're going to give everybody trouble. They're going to give teams trouble. Um, but they, the Penn State's defense has, has dug in. They've gotten key turnovers and keep uh, in key spots, um, which is it really hasn't been the hallmark of the Brent Pry defense the last couple of years. But they've gone out there, they've gotten picks, they've put themselves in a position to turn pressure into interceptions. You saw it tonight. Jesse Lucetta got up. Uh, you know, I think that was still Penix. Uh, Jesse Lucetta got up in his uh, in his area, and all of a sudden, it leads to an interception for Joey Porter Jr. So this um, this is what kind of what James Franklin was pointing to in in the post game. Very good complementary defense, and you know when you're doing things on the front end that that influence things in the back end, and vice versa, um, you're in a pretty good spot. So five, uh, you know, five and zero. Oh, mainly on the hallmark of this defense. They've done a really nice job. Brent Pry's done, I think, a much better job in terms of um, disguising coverages and timing coverage or timing blitzes and things like that. Um, but uh, secondary is really, really good. Um, but it, it's it, you look at it, and I guess I guess in the first week or so of the season, we, we question linebacker play and things like that. Now you're just kind of, okay, is the, a big play – breaks here and there that's college football that's that that happens but you're looking at this defense and you you see it be so well-rounded so complimentary it's been it's it's been fun to watch it come together and when they have a breakdown it's not it's it's not any one thing it's just kind of an organic type of this this kind of just happens, you know? So um, I, I've been really impressed with this defense, really impressed with the coaching staff, really impressed with uh, with how it's come together. And of course, when you get a shutout, especially against a team that beat you um, last year, it's, uh, it, it's finding yourself in a pretty good position. Penix was able to, to get going a little bit there in the second quarter, uh, included a 34-yard pickup down the field to Miles Marshall. But then the very next play after that, you've got Indiana suddenly gaining some momentum at that stage, it's it's a game that's still hanging in the balance. There's no doubt about it. Um, but they come up with an interception, the pressure from Luketa, uh, the the pickoff uh, by Joey Porter Jr., who I think has been outstanding this year in a lot of regards and um, really putting together a strong second season as a starting cornerback for this team. But Luketa also was applying some pressure earlier in this game. It forced a third down throw that, that was out of bounds and, and one of the many Indiana punts. We saw them punt six times in the first half. 
Their other possessions ended with a turnover on downs and an interception. Uh, only four first downs uh, before halftime. It was a 14 nothing game, but it felt like that deficit was much wider because Indiana had proven nothing in terms of being able to mount possessions against Penn State. I think out of their first nine possessions, Sean, eight of them, they were on and off the field within two and a half minutes. So Penn State was getting them off the field fast, racking up offensive reps early. They had 24 offensive plays in that first quarter and uh, finding Brenton Strange to finish off the first touchdown drive. It was a 10-yard touchdown uh, to Brenton Strange, who looked later in the game like he had a second touchdown. It was wiped off the board. Um, but I, I think, you know, the 7-0 lead, the way the defense is playing, you get this big momentum swing right where it feels like Indiana landed that punch. Like I said, you come up with the stop. Indiana leaves their offense on the field, goes for it on a fourth and one from the four-yard line. Uh, they get stuffed. Uh, Penn State's defensive interior, I think starting off with P.J. Mustafer, another outstanding effort uh, from him leading the way. But they were able to win some one-on-ones on the outside. Arnold Ebicati, Jesse Lucchetta, like we just said. Um, and, and collectively, when, when they get that stop, they come off the field. They're fired up. Sean Clifford gets a chance to serve a, serve up an answer after, again, throwing that worst pass we've seen, I think, to this point, an interception that gave the other team the ball in the red zone, exactly what he's done a good job of avoiding. And what do they do for, for, for kind of the follow-up act offensively? They march right down the field, 96 yards, Sean, and they cap that one off with a touchdown pass to Jahan Dotson. So I think when you look at the way that kind of series uh, is shaped up where you've got the, the, the big defensive stop, followed by this 96-yard drive. It, it felt like that put Indiana to bed, and, and unless Penix was ready to rise up and do something special, maybe that wasn't going to be the case, and there was no answer. And, and like I said, this was pretty ho-hum for, for a lot of the buildup and, and, and the hype coming off of this 2020 matchup. Penn State controlled this one from start to finish, it felt like, and there weren't many uh, you know, moments of life from the Hoosiers after that point. Yeah, it seems like we're trying to to stretch it out here and make it interesting, but it's just I mean, it, it was an interesting game, but it, it it lacked drama, it lacked all that kind of stuff. I, I I liked what we saw in terms of the finishing from the defense because you you mentioned these these punches that would come through with these chunk plays, and there was a couple of them tonight uh, for Indiana, but they turn around, they block the field goal, um, which was uh, in addition to the the turnover on downs and the, the the couple of interceptions that they had. So you're getting plays where you're you know building it up and, and, and finishing it off, and that's not always been the case. So at any time that you have a, a, a shutout on this end, you're going to have to have these type of plays. It's just so hard to keep a team, um, you know, whether it's a good offense, bad offense, whatever it is, for 60 minutes to keep them off the scoreboard, it's, it's pretty hard. So as we saw, you know, we, we, we see that with FCS teams, you know, just it's it's really difficult. So, um, man, it, it, it was one of those ones, I don't, I, and it's two o'clock, you're, you know, almost 2.30 in the morning. So um, I'm not uh, processing as fast as, as typically am, but it was just, uh, it was one of those ones where you just kind of sit there and wait for the end and, and think we know the outcome or we know what the outcome is going to be. It's just a matter of getting there. And, and, and I think defensively, it kind of puts you in that position where you knew it was going to come, uh, offensively a little bit frustrating. Um, you know, they, they got the run game going some, um, certainly in the first, uh, first quarter, 81 yards on 11 carries, um, tweeted out, they, they eclipsed two game totals uh, in the first quarter, which is impressive. But at the same time, um, the, the the way that they were going, 
looking looked or looked like they needed to to move a few more guys inside and and figure out that inside zone a little bit more. Short yardage has been an issue, um, especially with those backs. I, I I feel bad. Noah Kane doesn't look anything like what we thought he would look like or what he what he looked like even as a freshman. Tentative, uh, just hasn't hasn't hit the holes as well as we had hoped. Kevon Lee has done some nice things. John Levitt's done some nice things, but you just kind of feel for Noah Kane because it looks like the um, the want to is there and the processing is there, but the the, the body hasn't quite gotten there. Um, so we'll we'll see where that run game continues. A step forward, but still plenty plenty to work on on that run game. Kane finished with 11 carries, 23 yards. You heard this week from Franklin. You'll hear it again probably this upcoming week. They feel like among all these running backs, the things he gives them non-rushing, uh, he's the best at. Uh, you pass blocking, just being accountable. He's a guy they trust. This wasn't a case like last week where we saw Kane early and the staff went away from him or he stuck to the sideline. He was out there in the fourth quarter. It was just sporadic usage. And I thought Kevon Lee, to, to his credit, because he's had a bit of a rocky road here during the season. He's got limited touches and uh, the ball hits the ground and we don't see much of him during recent weeks, but eight carries, 74 yards. He had that big 44-yard gain that really sprung things a bit. Um, also caught one pass for eight yards. And then John Lovett, I mean, he stepped right up against Auburn. And since then, he has just been an emerging piece of this team. Second consecutive week, Sean, where he goes over 10 touches on the day, 10 carries, 41 yards, uh, another 13 yards through the air. He's the guy that Clifford seems to like to go to uh, as a passer. But, you know, you think about a 200-plus yard rushing performance, this isn't the stat sheet you expect to see where Kane has 23 yards and no running back has more than 74 yards. Clifford had himself a day on the ground, picked his spots, ended up with 50 yards, 58 yards rushing overall. Um, I think you're, you're, this is a step forward. There's no doubt about it on the ground. Um, but, but there are, you know, a, a lot of things to, a lot of pieces still to come together here offensively. You're through five games. And uh, I think that's the super compelling part of this because you come away from a game against Indiana where you win 24 to nothing and you're still scratching and you're, you know, you're still saying, well, it could have been 31 or it could have been 34. There was opportunities here and there that you missed. And, and yet it doesn't hurt you in any ways. I mean, they got stuff at the goal line. Uh, think about that, a matchup against Indiana going into the season where we would think, oh, Penn State got stuff to the goal line, but it's not even really something we're going to talk about after the game because they won by 24 points and they pulled off a shutout. If you close your eyes here, Sean, and just remember what we saw today, it becomes difficult to remember that 2020 even happened. Like it was a mirage, what Indiana did, what Penn State did not do. And James Franklin's loving that because we all know he wants 2020 to be a mirage. Yeah, we. I mean, you think uh, starting season 0 and five to turning it around and starting at five and 0 is pretty. It's a pretty remarkable thing. Nine and oh, 0 since yeah. then. Nine and zero. Uh, that's crazy. So, um, but yeah, you you look at the little things, and and I think we've said that a couple of times, and and this is just human nature to say, you know, you probably should have won by, uh, what well, they went by twenty four today. Probably should have won by thirty four, you know, something like that. Uh, but it's tough to, you know college football is tough to do that. You know, it's a, oh, yeah. we mentioned a couple weeks ago, we had Brandon Bell on how tough is it to to win a college football game? Well, it's a, it's a lot tougher than just the, uh, the box scores beside each other. Um, you know, even, even in instances where you got stuffed at the goal line, which was pretty, it was blocked pretty well by the, uh, by the Pitt state offensive line. Um, you know, it's kind of the things that happen and luckily it didn't come back and, and bite you. Sean, three um, weeks in a row, by the way, goal line back Tyler Warren, that's three weeks in a row. Now, I mean, this is, 
becoming a staple of what this team wants to do inside near the goal line. At this point, Tyler Warren's involved. We haven't seen him throw that pass. I know you're waiting for it. He was yep. stuffed today uh, about a, a half a yard shy of the line. It would have been three straight games of the touchdown, but continues to be difficult to ignore how, how, how much they want to use this guy. This was not a, a gadget against Auburn. This is something that they clearly want to utilize. Well, I, I don't really think it's the the Tyler Warren package as much as it is, you know, you you know that you need a yard or two and Penn State's going to try and pick that up and they haven't been all that successful with it. I mean, you think about how many third and ones they had uh, this evening uh, out uh, at Beaver Stadium and, and and they really struggled to to push it across the line, did there with Warren. I think it was Kevon Lee who got stoned at the at the goal line. So that's something that when you're taking uh, you know, stock of what they need to do and what they need to uh, improve upon is that that short yardage stuff, and that's and that goes back to offensive line, that goes back to the back, the quarterback, and, and the calls and things like that. Um, but that's certainly something where you're going to find yourself in a game, maybe next, maybe even next weekend against Iowa, where you're playing a 17 to 12 game or something of that nature, and you got to push it and either run your four minute offense or or get uh, get some points on the board in a short yard situation so that's something you gotta you gotta pick up so um you know but we're nitpicking here it's 24 nothing and 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 that's a good win the indiana team is probably not as good as we thought they would be um coming out of this uh the season but as we saw across college football it's mm -hmm. it's less and less about uh, the team that you're playing it's just you you've got to beat the guy in front of you and Oregon did not do that today. Florida did not do that today. You've got guy, you got teams all over the country that are struggling to to do that on a weekly basis. And now it's basically survive outside of Alabama, of course. But it's uh, it's and just now you, you because survive. of Georgia's defense, Sean. You're starting it's, it's starting to yeah. be like a gap. There's those two teams in the SEC, and they'll have to face each other down the line. And there's mm -hmm. everybody else. And right now, going into this matchup next week, there's a good chance everybody else is going to start with Penn State and Iowa. Yeah, Penn State and I are going to be what third and fourth or whatever. It's, yeah. yeah, so that's going to be a top five matchup in the Big Ten without Ohio State. Think about that for a second. That's pretty crazy. Um, but but back to the, back to this game. We've talked for a long time now about this uh, this matchup, and we haven't even mentioned Jahan Dotson. I was going to say same thing. <laughs> eight catches, eighty four yards. Just you know, it, we're tired. Ho hum. Jahan Dotson, two touchdowns. Whatever. Um, he's phenomenal player. Absolutely phenomenal. Also threw a twenty one yard pass had a big punt return uh you can't say enough about Jahan Dotson he's just so good that you don't even think about it when it comes to, he's in that kind of that Saquon realm where he's so good you don't even worry about it because you know it's just kind of a constant in there so um another big one for Jahan Dotson he was excellent that touchdown catch uh after the after the Brenton Strange one got called back that touchdown catch by Jahan was was something and and I, I tweeted this out but that's the same play that he made on Wednesday night at practice where he's twisting and going to the back of the end zone and the exact same spot. And, and, and he makes that play. I mean, that's, that's not luck. That's something that he's drilled and that's something he's gotten great at. And uh, it's, it, it's pretty cool to watch his, his development, not just in the, uh, you know, uh, under the microscope here in this season, but just in the macro of his, his whole career. It's been really cool to watch. A lot of discussion on the field after the game about the relationship between him and Sean Clifford. We saw that on display a couple times tonight, including that second touchdown where he caught a short pass and uh, ran the rest of the way. He got a block from Brenton Strange downfield. Not sure if he even needed that, but he had a, a, a lane to the end zone for touchdown number two. But on that play, you saw Clifford, uh, you know, uh, scrambling, and 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 that's something that that you know they, they practice a lot. This plays coming off of scrambles. 
those two on the same page and setting a, a program record tonight, Sean, uh, all time QB wide receiver duo or QB anyone duo and, and, and passing touchdowns, 18 touchdowns now between those two and uh, a long way to go in their careers together, still seven regular season games and then some. Um, so congratulations to them. I saw them, you know, telling themselves congrats after the game. And um, I, I just think Jahan Dotson, you saw it, it, both touchdowns were different, the what he can do, accelerating the open field, uh, and then just making uh, incredible mid-air adjustments at this point where if it's within his catch radius, it seems like he's getting the ball. Um, he has not let the, let the ball touch the ground this year. Continuing that, he saw uh, eight or 12 targets today, eight of those uh, pulling down for, for 84 yards. And I think not to look past it, but that, that field goal that made this a 24 to nothing game, Sean, he set that up. It was all him, a 16 yard return. It, it was, it was going to be short field either way, but he gave Penn state possession at the 32 yard line of Indiana's three offensive plays later. They didn't pick up a single yard, but Jordan Stout able to come out, hit a 50 yarder. And uh, so, you know, major credit to, to Jahan Dotson. He has the two touchdowns. He sets them up for three more points. So this is a game where you take a guy Jahan Dotson's caliber out of the equation, and you don't have to do that if you're in any lines. That's a great thing. You get to have him on the field. But that's a separating factor here where maybe the game's a little more tricky down the stretch. Jahan Dotson provides that kind of a cushion. He can do that. He has those capabilities. Um, and by the way, Stout, 50-yard uh, 50 field goal. 50-yard punts has been his thing. I, I think he's up to a dozen 50-yard punts now through five games. Last year, he had three 50-plus yard punts, and that was on about 33 attempts. So Jordan Stout is – is you tack him on to what this defense is doing, that's a recipe that's going to win you a lot of games, and that's one that you're going to need on the road in Iowa City next Saturday as well. He's been unbelievable. I mean, he opened the game with a kickoff that went to the one, and Indiana, uh, and instead of returning it, called a fair catch and that's that's the kind of expectation that they had coming into the game that jordan stout uh i don't, I don't even know if they practice kick returns uh because uh because jordan stout would be, put them in a different situation every time i think he put the next one or the two two kicks later he put it through the uprights so pretty crazy to to watch him go um going back to dots and i mean you, you just have to account for him on every single play and that's uh you saw it him throwing the ball and 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 catching the ball 12 targets tonight um kick or excuse me punt returner uh you you have to know where he's at on every uh on every play and you have to scheme against it uh and on top of that when you've got sean clifford playing like sean clifford is right now and and you know 52 percent completion seven to third excuse me uh, 17 of 33 for 178 yards. Those numbers are, are okay, but um, you know, not uh, not record setting by any stretch of the imagination. But the, the the things that he's doing this year, I mean, you mentioned that scramble play where he found. Uh, well, first off, he did that with with the Brenton Strange touchdown. Mm -hmm. Then he did it with the Jahan Dotson touchdown. Does that play get made last year? Absolutely not. And 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 that's the crazy thing that when you look when you you know, break down his game and, and try and figure out what he's been doing well and what he, you know, the, the biggest strides he had to make from last year. It's almost a miracle. Um, the, the way that he's played, Mike Yersich has done an, an excellent job. Sean Clifford has done an excellent job. Um, both sides definitely deserve all, all the credit in the world because that's been a, that's been a turnaround that I, I don't know that miraculous is the right word. It's been, it's been ridiculous. Yeah, Sean Clifford, again, a th three touchdowns tonight. He had four last week, of course, against an FCS opponent. But 
at this point now. Uh, I think he's at 12 total touchdowns with three turnovers on the season, uh, leading a 5-0 team that's going to potentially be the number three team in the country. And you, you talk to Sean after these games, and it's – it's just hard to it's it's hard to realize it's the same guy that we were talking about in these post game podcasts last year. The same guy we were having very difficult interviews with last year. I mean, what 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 a rebound so far, and he's got a huge test. And and remember, a couple of years ago, and when he was leading that unbeaten 2019 team, this was really the one that we circled as his biggest early test going on the road to Iowa City, and he was pretty shaken up in that game. They came away with the win, but kind of showed us some early issues that we we learned to discover with Sean Clifford. He heads back there as a much different quarterback, and he talked about it today. He's 23 years old. He doesn't want to go out and party to celebrate this. He wants to go home and get some sleep, wake up, have a good breakfast, and start on it again tomorrow. It, it's a beautiful thing when, when you look around college football and you see how horrendous quarterback play is, and a lot of that is tied to inexperienced guys. Penn State's in a really good spot right now with Sean Clifford where he is mentally and just – being a 23-year-old dude who's been with the program for four, for five years and three of them as a starter, that's something that you can't sleep on when you got a team rolling in the right direction. Yeah, you can label that as maturity or, or whatever you want to label it, but the, the the step has been big. I will say, heading into Iowa City next weekend, there were a few things that popped up on this uh, on this film or that will pop up on this film that are kind of, I don't want to call them worrisome, but notable when you talk, take a look at uh, his past and how he's responded in, in, in big situations like that. So there were a couple of times tonight, we, you saw a little bit of panic and you saw some things happen where you were, you know, curious about what, how Clifford's processing things. But um, on the whole, I mean, you're, you're not, certainly not going to complain about a 24 point win over a big 10 opponent. So, um, you know, more, more kudos to Sean Clifford, Mike Yersich, uh, James Franklin, who, who've made that thing go in the right direction have done a really nice job um spread the ball out a, a bunch uh once again parker washington probably not his best game i think uh, six targets and just caught two of them that is not a parker washington game i think he had a big drop especially he dropped that ball before the uh the clifford interception on on first down and and you know maybe that changes some things maybe that changes how you make the next call um but very um atypical of parker washington keandre lambert smith two catches 25 yards. Uh, you mentioned love it and, and, and the tight ends uh, and running backs getting in, getting involved once again, but uh, can, we, can we say yeah. personnel wise four running backs in the first two possessions, that was something. Yeah. The, the, the old, and it was the old double, uh, the two back, uh, uh, two back formation and neither of the backs were Kevon Lee. So I guess, I don't know, you're trying to keep everybody happier or whatever. It's, it's hard to say, but that's, that's another thing is, is when you look at the, the comfort level of this win, you played a lot of guys early and, and four running backs is indicative of how you got your guys in. Um, so that's, that's a pretty good sign that the coaching staff wasn't panicked either about, uh, about this, uh, this matchup. Yeah. And we'll follow this up with our Monday episode and, and share some more thoughts, but I thought they did a nice job of, of expanding their defensive line rotation a bit. It's something that we talked about going into this game. It needs to happen for Penn state. It's not sustainable the way they're allocating snaps in some of these closer games. Of course, this wasn't one of those closer games, but you saw Kaziah Izzard out there. You saw some Fatorma mobile. You saw Smith Vilbert gaining this big 10 experience. This is important for Penn state, but in, El in terms Ellie's of the, continues to play a lot. Yeah. Yeah. The Von Ellis, we saw a ton of, we saw, you know, later on, we saw some Kobe King, some some Charlie Catchier, some Tyler Elsden, a bunch of Johnny Dixon, the South Carolina transfer, played a lot of snaps today. Um, Keaton Ellis gained some experience at safety. And I will just say, I thought it was really big today to see it. Now, it wasn't a huge sack number today, but the pressure was there. And Brent Pry really called for it. 
to win some one-on-one battles on the perimeter with Luketa, with Ebekedi, big time because you were able to see them. You know, they were rushing six guys from a three-man front, and they were doing a lot of different. Uh, you know, Brent Pry has really been mixing it up this year. He talked about it. They have not been nearly as predictable, I think, in situations as they have been in the past. And um, to me, if they can get higher win rates on that edge with Luketa, with Ebekedi. Uh, it's going to go a long way. And I thought today was rolling in the right direction um, after kind of a, a couple of games where, you know, you didn't necessarily see a lot of flashes off the edge. And that's kind of how the, the offense was approaching you. This was a game where I thought early on too, forcing some third down throws that weren't comfortable and never letting Penix really get into any kind of a rhythm. I, I thought that would be the case. They pulled it off. And I thought a big reason why it's because what those two players did off the edge. Penix has a huge arm, but if you make him short arm it, you know, you you find yourself in in advantageous positions. And they did a nice job getting to him. As you mentioned, Lucetta was in there. Evan Kade, uh <laughs> Jack Tuttle went in for his uh his first snap today. Evicade met him and was the welcoming committee. It was pretty uh pretty stark to to see him rush. And I believe you mentioned that was a three-man rush against a six-man protection. That's you know, that's a that's a win that you'll take if you're Penn State every time. Um, but just all over the place. Um, you know, the the we second think he got a, think, we think he got a block field goal, right? Epicate we're, we're like Franklin says he did. We kind of couldn't tell. It looked like Brandon Smith and him maybe got a Brandon piece, but the, I think they gave Brandon Smith credit because he may have tipped it first into Epicate, who was waiting there to just swallow the whole thing up, and then right. Tangelo picked it up. And so I mean it was it was a team effort, no doubt. Yep. Um, but uh that second block of the season for Penn State's defense, and if it was Ebikade, the second block of the season for him. And if it was um, Ebikade, it's back-to-back Big Ten games, his first two Big Ten games where he gets a blocked field goal or at least part of a blocked field goal and a sack in the same game. You know, welcome to the conference. Yeah, sounds good. Sounds good. He um, you know, talked afterward about just kind of controlling some things and they really wanted to get that pressure and win those one-on-one battles on the outside. And, and, I, and I think they did that. Um, it, it helps when you've got Porter, when you've got Castro Fields and Brisker, who's once again, all over the place, and you know, thankfully was not uh, not going too uh, too full bore and, and getting targeting reviews or anything like that, uh, especially in the second half going into a big uh, game against Iowa next week. Um, but that when you've got those guys back there, and Jair Brown had another pick. Um, when you've got those guys back there playing the the way that they're doing at the level that they're they're doing, um, it makes everybody's job easier. Like I said, complimentary football from front to back there on that defense. And Daquan Hardy had had himself another nice game, um, a big pass up, pass break up in the end zone at one point later in the game. Um, the last thing I wanted to mention here, just to reiterate how good Jahan Dotson was, because I wrote wrote down these stats after the game: seven consecutive games with at least five catches. Now, seven consecutive games where he has scored at least one touchdown, and eight consecutive games where he takes at least one reception and turns it into a twenty-plus yard gain. As mentioned, also doing it as a punt return today, setting up uh, for a field goal. So I don't know what awards he'll be in consideration for, but any that he could be in consideration for, he needs to be. Yeah, I mean, he's uh, all Big Ten, Big Ten receiver. I mean, Ty Freifogel was the the Big Ten receiver of the year last year, and everybody came to the year pointing to to Garrett Wilson and, and Olave at Ohio State. But there's no question to me that that Jahan Dotson's the best receiver in this conference right now. It's it's been pretty pretty crazy to watch. Freifogel is is a really good player, but when you take a look at the the plays that Dotson went out and made. Um, I mean, there, there's really nobody close, and I and we we didn't watch the Ohio State Rutgers game today, or 
I know Lance, our, our producer probably did. And I think your wife did as well, uh, Tyler, but, uh, that's, uh, that, that's a tough, tough thing for me to do is to put a, a receiver in front of Jahan Dotson in this conference right now, just because he's been so great. It's been fun to watch his progress and see enrolled in 2018. Uh, quite the transformation and a guy who said he wanted to make his mark all time at Penn State. Big part of the reason why he wanted to stick around for another year. That's paid off, and, and I think it's going to actually literally pay off as well. Mel Kuyper has him at number eight on an updated big board going into this weekend. So Jahan Dotson uh, helping his future out and helping this Penn State football program out. Sean, as you referenced, it's almost 3 a.m. Um, what else do we want to dump out from our brains before we hit the hay and, and reset and get back on Monday um, and have a conversation. I remember Omari Evans committed. That's right. Yeah. I was going to say, we've got, uh, we'll talk about a little bit more about this on Monday, but Omari Evans, the three-star receiver from uh, Texas committed to Penn state. Uh, it was supposed to be around three o'clock and ended up being a little bit later than that. But uh, you know, if, if you get a chance, he posted some clips from his game last night. He went for about two fifty on the ground playing quarterback right now, just because of, or just out of necessity. Um, he could fly. I mean, you, you we, we've talked him up and, and talked about the, the four threes and everything like that. Uh, but when you see that on the field and you see what he did uh, last night or two nights ago, whatever night it is, I'm not sure. Um, uh on the field in Texas high school football, this guy can move. And uh, it was it, it's probably the most impressive uh, group of highlights that we've seen out of him in, in, in the couple of years of tape that we have on him. So um, another reason, I guess another um, you can point to this, the, this clip as another reason that Penn State felt confident in taking a wide receiver. Um, when you've got Ivy, when you've got Saunders, when you've got uh, Tyler Johnson as well, maybe even Makai Flowers and Christian Driver, um, the, the fact that they wanted to get that speed into the program says something. But uh, Penn State, 26 commitments, still the number one class in the country. I'm, I'm, I'll be honest with you, I'm a little surprised that they're still there just based on how these things kind of ebb and flow. And as other schools uh, fill up, then you know they come marching up the list and other schools go down quality from from top to bottom here and another big pickup for penn state and like i said if you're gonna miss miss big maybe they miss big with andre Moore. if you're gonna miss miss fast maybe you do that with amari evans it's a it's hard to say how these guys will pan out but you can see why they're they're grabbing them especially with the 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 number of spots that they have and they don't have left yeah first saturday of october here in 2021 penn state is five and oh about to climb up into the top three we think and they have the number one recruiting class in the country coming off a third consecutive Saturday commitment. I mean, I don't know what else I can say to set a stage for a, a good quality Sunday for our listeners, but life is good right now uh, for the Nittany Lions. I mean, you've got you've got guys, we were talking uh, in the pregame, Tamir Robinson showed up, nobody knew it was coming. I mean, Tamir Robinson, top 100 kid uh, out of Western Pennsylvania, probably one of, if not Penn State's top defensive target uh, in the state in the next cycle. And he shows up just on a whim and, and that's a <laughs> that's a pretty good sign for your program's pretty healthy right now. Uh, another good list of visitors on hand. Like I said, we'll probably get into it more on Monday. David Ajigbe, uh, defensive uh, end, sort of edge rusher from Washington, D.C., popped up uh, with Jordan Seaton, his top 100 2024 offensive line teammate. A uh, bunch of guys that were uh, uh, just. Uh, Check out the list on the site. I'm sorry. I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm very tired right now. So taking it, reading it, and comprehending it and turning it around, 
not really happening for me right now. Rodney Gallagher was a guy that was there. In fact, we got a, a great photo um, posted on the on our site, a uh, great photo of James Franklin sitting down with Tamir Robinson, Rodney Gallagher, um, Lamont Payne, the, the, the uh, uh, commitment, the cornerback the commitment from Western P PA, uh, Phil Picotti from, uh, from, from, from Penridge. So uh, that's sort of an in-state uh, – uh, quorum that you would like to build this class around. And, and I think they're trying to make that, uh, uh, trying to make that pitch to those guys right now. And there's another thing you weren't doing last year, sitting on your field with a bunch of top high school juniors talking about your program in front of a, a crowd, a stripe out environment, totally different ball game. James Franklin maximizing it. And it certainly helps when you start racking up the W's like they have thus far, Sean, again, that's nine consecutive wins for this team going back to last November. It's five and zero this season. And then, we got this stat from Lance as we were recording. Next week's Penn State-Iowa game will be the first regular season Big Ten matchup between two top five opponents without Ohio State being one of them since 1997. That also involved Penn State hosting Michigan for, uh, 24 years ago. So it is a unique matchup, and uh, it's one that we'll talk about a lot in the upcoming week for now. Time for us to get back to bed. Uh, some of us start, got an early start before the podcast, I think. Uh, hopefully Lance is still awake out there uh, guiding us to the end here. But on behalf of Sean, I'm Tyler Donahue, fresh out of the Beaver Stadium press box, 24 to nothing. Penn State wins it. Not as complicated as we thought it might be. This team's 5-0. and They're rolling. We'll talk about it more on the Lions 24-7 podcast next time around. Jeremy Renner returns to Paramount Plus for a brand new season of the original hit series, Mayor of Kingstown. My job is to create a balance, avoid a war. From executive producer Taylor Sheridan, co-creator of Yellowstone. There's some new players in town, and they brought the flag. And Antoine Fuqua, director of Training Day. I know it's always been a war zone, Mike, but this is next level. The mayor is back in business. Are you warning me? You're going to find out. Mayor of Kingstown, new season streaming June 2nd, exclusively on Paramount Plus.